You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 137. In this episode of the podcast, you'll be meeting Timothy Miller, whose debut novel, The Strange Case of Eliza Doolittle, is a Sherlock Holmes pastiche that merges Conan Doyle's characters with ones from George Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion. Tim is from Louisiana and has lived all over. He's lived in Houston, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New Orleans, Chicago, and Milan, Italy, where the inspiration for The Strange Case of Eliza Doolittle began. He's probably the only bartender to have worked in the French Quarter of New Orleans, San Francisco's Fisherman's Wharf, and the Navy Pier in Chicago. I enjoyed chatting with Tim about his bartending days, the 30 uh, years in the making that was the uh, strange case of uh, Eliza Doolittle, about writing mysteries with iconic characters like Sherlock Holmes, and a lot more. So stay tuned for the interview coming right up. If you have a moment, though, please uh, do go check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links, where you'll be able to rate and review this podcast which is the best way to help other fans of mystery and thriller books to find the podcast. From there, you can also sign up to my Thrilling Reads newsletter to be notified about discounts and deals on great books in the mystery, thriller, and crime fiction genres. So check that out at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. All right, here is my interview with Timothy Miller. Hey, uh, hey everybody, this is uh, Alan with uh, Meet the Thriller Author. And for this episode of the podcast, I'd like to welcome Timothy Miller, whose uh, debut novel, The Strange Case of Eliza Doolittle, was published on January 19th. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Tim. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background first, please? I'm uh, not uh, from London. I'm from Louisiana. And uh, although I've traveled a great deal, uh, I've lived in uh, Houston and New Orleans and Chicago and uh, L.A. and uh, San Francisco and a little bit of time in Milan, Italy. Spent most of my time uh, attending bar in all those places. Oh, where did you attend bar in San Francisco? So I live in San Francisco. Uh, Fisherman's Wharf. Oh, okay. Uh, Lose uh, Lose Pier Forty Seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, Tura Central. <laughs> oh yes. Well, I also uh, worked on uh, Bourbon Street for a while, so I've hit uh, the tourist. Uh, trifecta really because i've also worked on uh, uh navy pier in chicago wow it's like all all, all the coast to coast piers <laughs> yes uh so uh, so the strange case of, Li- of eliza doolittle uh this that's your first novel right yes it is so that's kind of an interesting mesh of uh you, you mesh the worlds of sherlock holmes and uh and eliza doolittle uh can you tell us a little bit about that how that all came together and and how how, how do you when you started to write this book uh well yes the uh Strangest part is that I started to write this in Milan, Italy. At the time, I was actually struggling with another Sherlock Holmes pastiche, uh, which eventually actually became my second novel. Uh, I was uh, uh, teaching English in Milan, and uh, I had a uh, young couple uh, who were having trouble with uh, English prepositions. Now, all Italians have trouble with English prepositions because uh, Italian has about six prepositions and English has about 150. So I decided to uh, write a little story for them, uh, leaving out the prepositions and letting them uh, guess at them. And uh, so a detective story came to mind and uh, a story with uh, Sherlock Holmes came to mind because if you're going to do a detective story, why not do Sherlock Holmes? Especially since Italians are familiar with Sherlock Holmes. 
and they're familiar with uh, Pygmalion, or, or rather uh, its avatar, musical avatar, My Fair Lady. And they're uh, familiar also with uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And uh, I had all these characters, and uh, I think in that story, actually, uh, Liza winds up killing Higgins, which is something she always wanted to do anyway, so it's probably a good thing. But, uh, you know, it was just for fun, and I had no intention of doing anything else with them. Uh, but I liked those characters together. And, you know, it took me a long time to realize why exactly I had chosen those characters uh, and what they had in common and what they might say about uh, the difference between the 19th century and the 20th century, between the Victorian era and the Edwardian era, uh, which the Edwardian era has been my favorite ever since I was six years old and read uh, Wind in the Willows. Oh, so, you're so, already, so you're well versed in that world, because I was going to ask you about that. Like, how much research did you have to do? But you've been interested in that period for a long time. Yes. Always been fascinated with it. Uh, and, you know, then, uh, you know, I read people like uh, G.K. Chesterton, read uh, the Jeeves books, which were also set in that time period. And uh, which uh, Bertie Wooster actually has a little cameo in this novel, although he's not uh, named as such. Uh, because he's still in the uh, still not in the public domain. Yeah, so I felt comfortable with the period. I mean, I still had to do a great deal of research. I felt uh, comfortable with it and with uh, the Victorian period because I had uh, loved Dickens from the start. Uh, I I love his, his vibrancy and the way he brings everything to life. Uh, there's no such thing as an inanimate object in Dickens. And so, what is, what is the plot of uh, the Strange Case of Eliza Doolittle? Can you walk us through the through what it's what the book's about? Okay. Uh, well, if you're familiar with Pygmalion or uh, My Fair Lady, you know that uh, Henry Higgins has taken a girl of the streets, Eliza Doolittle, in, and uh, has met his friend uh, Pickering, that he can uh, change her from a girl in the streets girl of the streets to uh, uh, a princess, uh, basically just by changing uh, the way she speaks. But in my version, once that's all done, Pickering gets suspicious and believes that uh, Eliza Doolittle is not Eliza Doolittle, that perhaps uh, she's been uh, substituted for another person. Perhaps she's even been done away with. Uh, and he goes to his old friend, uh, Dr. John Watson, who goes to his old friend, Sherlock Holmes, who's retired, but comes out of retirement for this. And uh, they go undercover in Higgins' household. Uh, uh, Sherlock uh, plays a, an American gangster uh, who's looking for English lessons. And uh, Watson uh, comes as his uh, secretary they begin to unravel the whole story, uh, which includes uh, uh, menace from uh, almost every side, uh, including a, uh, a German uh, uh, official uh, who wants Eliza for his own or for his uh, master. Uh, so then they run into uh, Eliza's doctor, who is a very strange character and uh, has apparently uh, got the ability to uh, 
make her uh, Spitfire or a uh, kitten, uh, whichever uh, drug he gives her. They find that uh, she's got a, a strange uh, connection to a uh, fellow called Hyde. Uh, so basically, that's that's the setup. I'm not sure how far I should take you. Well, yeah, I don't want to do too many spoilers, but that's uh, that's incredible how you've meshed all these different worlds into one into one uh, into one into one mystery. Um, how? I'm kind of curious about your writing process. How did that, how did you pull that together? Did you have to like outline everything or did you just uh, write from the seat of your pants? I mean, I do some outlining, but the way I really write is I listen to conversations. It's like I'm in a crowded room. Maybe this is from my background as a bartender and I listen in on conversations and, uh, you know, I only get a, a little bit of the conversation at first, and then I move a little closer and get a little more. And uh, basically, I mark the uh, story out in important conversations. And then I go back and start to fill in the action actually after that. That's really uh, always been my method. And uh, at the same time, I start to look at things, you know, uh, I'm looking at uh, a room and I look closer and I look closer because all writing is rewriting. And uh, so in each pass, I'm looking closer and finding more detail and finding out more about the characters as they talk. That's really my method. And so this is fascinating because you say you started you, you started this for, as for fun when you were in Italy. Uh, so how long since when you first started writing about this for fun for it to the day it was published last uh, last week or so? When uh, how long a period has that been for you? Oh, uh, I hate to say it, <laughs> uh, thirty years. Oh wow, that's incredible! That's so cool that you've had that in your head this whole time. Really, I mean, on and off, I would imagine. <laughs> Yes, I mean, I was doing a lot of other writing in between, but uh, uh, I always uh, intended to uh, come back to that. And did you always yeah. want to be a writer, even when, like, when you were working as a bartender, or did you we always want, wanted to become a writer? I wanted to become a writer from the day I was six years old. Basically, from when I learned to print, I wanted to be a writer. I mean, uh, when I got out of school uh, at uh, when I was six. I started my first novel. Uh, I only got about 10 pages into it. Uh, and uh, it wasn't the most exciting thing. It was about uh, my little toy monsters. And I remember uh, the big uh, finish was they were having a picnic. But uh, to me, it's it's like breathing, you know. And when you're a fan of, uh, of, of mysteries and thrillers as a reader, like when you're growing up uh, reading those t- type of books? Not really. Um, I mean, I was uh, I was interested in Nancy Drew because Nancy Drew was sexy, uh, but uh, I wasn't interested in Sherlock Holmes, for instance. Uh, I finally read Sherlock Holmes when uh, I was uh, living in Houston with a friend, and it was a rainy weekend, and I didn't have any books around, but he had uh, the complete Sherlock Holmes, and so I said, "Okay, I'll give it a try." And uh, by the end of the weekend, I had finished to complete Sherlock Holmes uh, and uh, still had to be, you know, drawn and quartered into mysteries uh, 
with Agatha Christie and P.D. James and G.K. Chesterton. And uh, now I read a great deal of mysteries, but uh, really I was more interested in fantasy and uh, magical realism, uh, which there's a little touch of magical realism, I think, in everything I do. Part of a series or is this a standalone book? Um, it's a standalone, but... Uh, my next book is is a Sherlock Holmes pastiche, which is actually set in 1890. Uh, it's set earlier, and uh, the one that I'm working on now is the uh, Sherlock Holmes pastiche uh, set in 1923. And uh, and what's a typical writing day for you when you're actually when you have a project going? Do you like write every day, or how, how does that? I'm curious how that works. I'll usually write every day unless I come up against. Uh, an important uh, point that I need to, to do real research on, in which case I'll uh, hit the books or hit the internet and uh, just work my way through until I finally find what I'm looking for. Uh, but uh, then I work it, you know, work mainly late at night. Uh, and uh, basically once I get to about the third draft then I'm hopping out of bed every 10 minutes to, uh, because some new idea has hit me. Uh, so that's, that's my non-sleep uh, draft. <laughs> non-sleep draft. I like that. <laughs> and, uh, and just curious too, what, uh, about the, what program do you use to write your books? Do you just use like Microsoft word? Yeah, I use word because it's the standard. Mm -hmm. uh, I still mourn the loss of word. Perfect. Oh, I remember word perfect. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, uh that blue screen. And I, yeah. And I use pages for, uh, for my notes. Uh, but uh, go ahead. Yeah. And I was kind of curious now with uh, the crazy year that, that we've had, has a pandemic changed your writing process at all or not? Or? Well, you have to realize that before the pandemic, I was in the hospital for six months. As a matter of fact, this book actually saved my life. Oh, because I had a stroke and I had gotten the contract for this book, but I hadn't signed it. And uh, the uh, stroke was so bad at the time, although I'm fine now, let me cut to the chase there, um, that uh, they were uh, considering pulling the plug. But uh, my sister learned about the book and uh, she said, you know, she was not uh, going to pull the plug as long as I hadn't signed the contract. Uh, so I wouldn't be dead today without this book. Uh, oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, so uh, really, uh, you know, uh, after six months of that, and then I come right out and then COVID starts up. Uh, I've been in a lot longer than anyone else. So I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad it came. Uh, I'm glad it, uh, it you're doing well and that you know, you've recovered, but wow, that's crazy too. And that, and that you hadn't signed either. I can imagine <laughs> you're like, give me that pen as soon as you can. Yes. Well, that, that was what my sister said. As soon as you can <laughs> raise a pen, you sign this. <laughs> wow. That's That's kind of like a, a, I don't know. That is just so odd. You probably, you know, you're so excited. You got a contract, you're going to get published and then something terrible like that happens, but I'm glad it worked it's, out for you. <laughs> luckily my editor was the soul of patience. Yeah. Uh, wow. And so what was that, that uh, process like now? So you, you, 
you, you have a, oh you say you're in the contract for the second book now so you're writing that now okay no i've written the second book actually i've gotten the the contract for it but i've written it and sent it off and uh haven't uh, seen the first edits yet but uh oh, got it mm-hmm. uh no i'm working on the third book right now okay and uh, so do you still find time to read then are you still a, a fan of reading books oh yes i love to read yeah. What are you reading now? Are you kind of curious? Uh, obviously, looking for good books to read. I'm reading actually uh, for uh, uh, research. I'm reading The Crimes of Paris, mm. uh, which is fascinating. Uh, reading a uh, book uh, by Lindsay Fay, uh, who I don't know if you've read any Lindsay Fay. No, I'm not uh, familiar with her. Uh, she is a phenomenal writer and, uh, I've written, uh, I've read three of her books now, although I have, uh, avoided her books on Sherlock Holmes because I'm a, I'm a sponge and I'm afraid of, uh, being affected by her books. And so I <laughs> leave those aside. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that's such a fascinating, uh, I find that those genres so fascinating because there's like a lot of Jane Austen type books. And even like those a few years ago when all the Abraham Lincoln and vampire type books, uh, uh, such interesting ways of uh, meshing these uh, different genres and character, iconic characters. It's kind of cool. Yes. I mean, I think it's, I think it's fun. Uh, it's, it's kind of like playing with a puzzle, mm-hmm. writing the lyrics to a song. Uh, you've really got to, to fit everything together. And, you know, at the same time, you know, you've got to fit it into the time period. I mean, there are several uh, characters in my book that were real characters. And I had to find them uh, and uh, find out all about them at the same time that I was uh, deep in these fictional characters. And so... uh... Before I let you go, I always like to ask my guests, because I, I have uh, listeners to this podcast who are aspiring writers, any advice you would have to an aspiring writer out there? Yes, write every day. It doesn't matter what you're writing. If you can only think of your own name, write it. Write it again. Eventually, you'll get bored and you'll start writing some other things. Don't worry about whether it's good or bad. You're improving a muscle. You're working a muscle just like uh, if you were riding a bike. Uh, You do that and you will inevitably get better. And now once you have an idea, finish the idea. Do not find yourself with six or seven different unfinished ideas. Uh, Go through the whole process. Yeah, that's a great, that's great advice. Because that was for years for me too, uh, just like half, uh, you know, 10,000 words here, 8,000 words here. And I would have about, uh-huh. I would jump to the next project and never finish anything. <laughs> yeah. I've been through that too. <laughs> yeah. And so where can the listeners find you? Do you have a website or. Uh, I do. Uh, it's called the strange cases of Sherlock. And uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter. If you really want to. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, strange case of Eliza Doolittle is published January 19th. So it's out now. Go, go check that out. And I want to thank uh, Tim for being on the podcast. That was nice talking well, to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.